You're listening to the King's Oahu podcast. We hope today you're inspired, your faith is built up, and that you're encouraged by today's word. The title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is lay it down, let it go, and don't look back. I'm going to look at that person next to you and say, lay it down, let it go, and don't look back. We got to say it one more time. You're getting it. Lay it down. No, no, you got to say it with some of you guys like, lay it down. You got to say it with some attitude. You know what I'm saying? You got to say it with some attitude. Lay it down. Let it go. I want, look, I want you guys to say it like Samuel Jackson got saved. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson got saved, and he's in church sitting next to you. Come on, say it with some attitude. Lay it down. Let it go, and don't look back. My wife and I have had the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastors here on Oahu for the last 11 years. But what was interesting is our first five years here, we actually moved five separate times. It was actually quite crazy. We, we went from one apartment and another apartment and, and all these different things. And, and it, was just, it was just a crazy season. And I remember there was this one moment. We went from uh, a single, I think it was like a, a two-bedroom, one bath or something like that. And then another room. Then we went to this one-bedroom, half of a bed, like one and a half bedrooms. It was kind of weird. And we're like cramming our kids and we're moving everything around and moving from one place to another place. And then the one day, it finally, it finally arrives, where we move from a two-bedroom, I've got three kids, two-bedroom, two-bath, to a three-bedroom, two-bath. And it was beautiful. It smelt new. You guys, you guys remember, like, have you, ever, have you ever experienced that? You're like, whoo, I'm moving into something new. This is awesome. And it had more space, and it was amazing. And we were so excited. Where before, we just, oh, we're moving again. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. Felt like the same old, same old. And it was more problematic, you know, because we are kind of had to kind of be pushed out. Well, we, we get a call from, from one uh, landlord. Hey, my family needs a place to stay, so uh, can you guys move out in a couple months? Like, oh, okay. It's horrible. But the day we finally got to move into something new and we knew we were going to be there for a while. And it was so exciting, and we're getting all of our stuff together, and, and, and I love that feeling, too, when you're coming into the house, you know, you're like, I'm going to put that picture there, and my bed's going to go right here, and everything's exciting and fresh and new. And so I remember we have, we kind of have piles of stuff in the house as we're trying to move things in, and I wake up the next morning, we'd spend a whole day moving stuff, and I wake up the next morning, and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And I smell this smell. It was horrible. It made me gag. You know, one of those smokes, like, ah, you know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I'm looking around the house trying to find this smell. I'm like looking in the garbage, like the garbage, is it the garbage disposal? What is this thing? This is horrible. I'm seeing if Haston maybe left me a little surprise. I don't know. And then in this pile of stuff, I'm drawn to this pile and I, I, I look and Unbeknownst to me, as we were moving things from one house to the new house, the old house to the new house, some trash got stuck in that pile. And it was like stuff like sandwich stuff, you know, like red onions and some nasty rotten tomatoes and some, and it had been, and I, I honestly don't know how long it had been in that trash, but somehow the trash from the old house got into the new house. 
I got a revelation. How many times in my life am I stepping into something new, but I got my old trash with me? And I want to embrace the new that God has for me, but there's things, these lingering smells, almost like these problems of the past and issues of the past keep haunting me and following me, chasing me into the new. What we see here in Isaiah 43 is something very similar. See, this letter, this prophetic word really to the Israelites serves as a reminder of their identity through their relationship with God. The entire book of Isaiah really is a reminder to the children of Israel of their identity. Their identity is substantiated, it's founded in their relationship with God. And Israel found themselves in a place of they were lost and they were confused in the reality of who they were because they were out of right relationship with God. Friends, can I tell you, when we get out of right relationship with God, it will always bring confusion to your life. You will feel lost. Because God really is the shaper. He is the maker of the reality of your life. And we've got to come back into alignment. And that's what this whole call to the children of Israel through the book of Isaiah is this call to come back to a right relationship with God. Walk in the blessing that God has for you. See, we want the new, but too often we are incapable of letting go of the old. Or how about this one? We want the new, but it's intimidating to step into something new. God is saying, I want to do a new thing in you this year. Now, I think it's imperative that I preface this message with something. This is important. I want you to get this in your spirit. In no way do I want you to walk away today with this message and go, Pastor Josh is telling me to quit on everything in 2022. <laughs> I'm just going to quit everything. No. Because there are some things that God has called you to that you got to hold on tight to. That requires a stick to itiveness. It requires a grit or a tenacity. Amen. Your marriage, come on, God's calling you to hold on tight. It's gonna, guys, listen, there's gonna take some things that you just gotta, you gotta hold on to and say, I ain't quitting because God's in the process right now of doing a, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And there's some faithfulness that I've got to make sure in my life that I hold on to the things God's called me to. Amen. However, there's some real things that are hindering you. There's some real things, some real obstacles that keep tripping you up. And this morning I'd like to deal with a life encumbered by the past. I believe that in order to embrace the new, it's imperative to let go of the burdens, the pain, the disappointments, and the sins of the past. Here in this passage in Isaiah 43, it's remarkable. We see very three very distinct challenges that God gives the children of Israel. Are you ready for this? Three very distinct challenges that God gives the children of Israel that I believe God is giving us today. Are you ready, kings? Are you ready for this? Number one, God says, forget the former things. Somebody say, forget the former things. For the sake of this message, I want you to say, lay it down. I want to I show you three incredible parallels 
And I want to use these challenges that God gives us in his word, some illustrations that we see, some incredible parallels that we see through scripture. So turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verse 50. This is profound to me. Mark chapter 10. Now what we see here, these, these three challenges that God gives the children of Israel. And they really are relevant for us today. And the first thing he says, he says, forget the former things. Lay it down. In Mark chapter 10, we see this incredible story. It's actually one of my favorite characters in the Bible. If you've been in this church for any amount of time, you've probably heard me preach on this specific story probably a thousand times. Because for me, it's incredibly applicable to my life. Here's this man, his name Blind Bartimaeus, that's what he's known for. He's, he's known as, that's Blind Bartimaeus. When people are walking down the street, like, oh, did you meet Blind Bartimaeus? That's blind. Who's that over there? That's Blind Bartimaeus. So he had a reputation of being Blind Bartimaeus. But in this moment, here's this man, Blind Bartimaeus, and he hears that Jesus is coming his way. And so Blind Bartimaeus does something so significant. Blind Bartimaeus stands up upon his, he stands to his feet and begins to cry out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible explains that there's some people that got in his way. Anybody here have some people that get in your way? Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're just straight up obstacles. Can I tell you, you will always, in doing great things for God, you will always have to confront obstacles in your life. Plain and simple, you will always have obstacles in your life when you're doing something great for Jesus. If you think doing something great for Jesus is going to be easy, wake up, smell the eggs, get some coffee, and let's go do something great for Jesus. Because the reality is if you're going to do something great for Jesus, you're going to experience obstacles. If you're going to see miracles, you're going to experience obstacles. And so here he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that people started coming against him. Tell him to be quiet, trying to stand in his way. And yet the Bible says he screamed all the louder. He screamed all the louder. Finally, he comes to Jesus, and we see this moment in Mark chapter 10, verse 50. He's face to face with Jesus, and this is remarkable. The Bible says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus said, and the blind men said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Whew. Now to truly understand the significance of this story, we have to understand the significance of the cloak. That cloak was blind Bartimaeus's everything. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, and you've heard me say this, in the Old Testament, that if you were to take, if you were to steal a blind man's cloak, you were actually to be put to death because it was seen as murder. To steal a blind man's cloak in the Old Testament was actually seen as murder because to steal his cloak was to give him a death, a death sentence because it was their everything. It's it's what they used to keep warm. It's what they used to beg. As a matter of fact, it was one of their identifiers in their life. People would know by that cloak, hey, that's a blind man. So it would 
be to disrupt everything in his life. But what's so unusual about this story is here, this thing that is so significant, it actually is his very identity. It's his everything. The Bible says that blind Bartimaeus stood to his feet and threw the cloak aside and started coming to Jesus. Now, there's a problem. Anybody here wear glasses? I started wearing glasses, and there's a big problem. There are these moments where I can't see, I can't do anything without it. I've seen people that live, they depend upon their glasses, man. When you lose your glasses, it is, it's scary because it's your everything, right? You're looking around trying to find your glasses. It's not like blind Bartimaeus, if Jesus didn't heal him, could just go back and say, yeah, give me that cloak again. He left it aside. He couldn't just go and find it. He threw it aside. Can I tell you, friends, that's called faith. This faith to believe that Jesus was able. We understand the significance of his cloak. We, but this is the problem. Many times we accept the current situation, our current existence, we say, well, this is just the way I was born. This is just what I have to deal with. This is what happened to me in life. And so I just accept it. But this man was unwilling to accept his current existence. And he knew that there was something that God had. God had more for him. He was convinced that there was a life beyond his blindness. He was convinced that there was a life, there was a call beyond his dysfunction. Are you convinced that there's a call beyond your hurt, beyond your pain, beyond your scars? Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're clapping. Like, Pastor, we got, Pastor, we got all I preach out last week with Dr. Morocco. He, I want you to think about the incredible faith blind Bartimaeus what was his faith his faith was he was certain he was certain of the ability of Jesus just like what Pastor Andrew said our God is able to make all grace abound to you that in all things having all sufficiency do you truly believe that God is able I mean this is a big deal this is everything and I've, I've probably said this is probably one of the greatest mottos within our church is how you see him will determine what you receive from him. We know the Bible says that Jesus in his hometown, he could do little miracles because of the way they perceived him. But yet here was this blind Bartimaeus that saw Jesus as able. And so Jesus healed his sight. Do you truly believe that Jesus is able? Can we think, do you truly believe he's able to heal you, to restore you, to free you? Because can I tell you right now, what you see Jesus as capable of is what now you allow him to do in your life. Can I say that again? What you see him as capable of is what you will allow him to do in your life. Do you believe he can heal your marriage? Do you believe that he can heal your body? That he can 
give you a sound mind that he can heal your heart from the brokenness of the past. This is what's unique with Jesus, and this is crazy. Jesus puts a demand on blind Bartimaeus' faith. Now, again, he's known as blind Bartimaeus. Everybody knows he's blind. I mean, for crying out loud, he's walking to Jesus probably like this. Like, hey, Jesus, say. And I can almost see it because Jesus had some disciples that needed Jesus. Anyways, you'll get that when you're going home. Jesus, blind Bartimaeus comes to Jesus and Jesus like, how can I pray for you? What, what do you need? What can I do for you? And I can almost hear Judas being like, duh, Jesus, he's blind. For those who don't know who Judas was, Judas was the one that betrayed Jesus. Just saying. That's like a Judas statement. Blind Bartimaeus just says, I wish to see, I want to see. Jesus put a demand on blind Bartimaeus' faith. Your faith is tied to your declaration. Can I ask you a crazy question? What is it that you want God to do for you this year? Like, honestly, what do you, what do you want God to do for you this year? Do you even know? Sometimes we kind of walk aimlessly like, well, God, just bless me. How? You know, just, just bless me. I want to feel good. I don't know what. And so this is the problem. This is the problem. There is so much ambiguity with faith, but can I tell you, faith is specific. Your faith needs to be specific. A lot of times we get caught in the trap of ambiguity and faith. It's like, oh, God, whatever you want to do, whatever. What can I do for you? Whatever. Because you know why? It doesn't require us to put a demand on our faith. But that's why specific faith Targeted faith is so essential in our relationship with God because it puts a demand on your faith. What do you want from God this year? What have you guys even made? We're going to be fasting and praying. And a lot of people, can I tell you, if you're, not fa- if you're not praying with your fasting, you're just on a diet. Why are you going to fast and pray? Well, pastor, I'm fasting and praying because I, I'm... I want to lose weight. That's great. Why are you fasting and praying? Are you wanting God to do something new in your life? Are you fasting and praying because you want to encounter Jesus? Are you fasting and praying? And and many people say, well, pastor, I I don't want to be selfish, but you need to be specific. What do you believe in God for? What kind of miracle do you need? Look, why are you coming to Jesus in the first place? Because I need a miracle. Good. Do you believe he can heal you? What do you want him to do? got to make sure, friends, we're living a life where we lay some things down and that we see that in our faith. Things that we've been identified with for so long, friends, it is time to put our faith in Jesus that he is able to do incredible things in our life. Can I get an amen? But the second thing that we see in the book of Isaiah is it says, do not dwell on the past. Let it go. You ever gotten in an argument with somebody? Like you're in a pretty crazy argument with somebody. And finally, they, like nobody's really winning and, or they're winning. <clears throat> this is the worst one. My sister and I, Pastor Janelle, Dr. Janelle, um, she's, she's very combative. Anyways, 
<laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that. She's a counselor. She'd like try to counsel me out of things, right? She's like, Jesus, help me. She's just psych me out. Anyways, we get in these fights, and she would be winning. And then she looks at me, she goes, just let it go. It's like, no, 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 no. You, you can't get the last word. Uh-uh, no, uh uh And we're fighting. Just let it go. Can't let that stuff go. No way. But what's interesting is this. God says, stop dwelling on the past. The past is the past. What is he saying? Let it go. No, but God, you don't understand. No, 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 no. Let the past be the past. Let it go. John 21. John 21. You guys still with me this morning? We see this profound moment. Now, we have to understand that when Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples, when Peter was called into ministry, he was a fisherman. And Jesus gave him a supernatural, miraculous catch. And then, all of a sudden, Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, Peter. Follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And Peter, the Bible says that Peter basically laid down his nets and followed Jesus. Now, Jesus never demeaned Peter. Jesus never rebuked Peter for the times where he went back fishing. Because there's actually some moments where Jesus told Peter, hey, Peter, go fish for something. However, we find ourselves in this moment in John chapter 21. Stick with me. Where Jesus now, Peter had lived with Jesus for over three years. Jesus went to the cross. Peter denied Jesus three times. And now here's Jesus, the resurrected Lord. He's been risen. And he's standing face to face with Peter. As a matter of fact, we see that now Peter had had three separate, at this current moment, Peter had had three separate encounters with the risen Lord. So it wasn't like Jesus was still dead. This is the resurrected. They had had meals together like they had talked. They had spent time together. So Jesus is alive. And yet all of a sudden, here's this moment in John 21, 3. Where Jesus is talking to the disciples, and then he's like this, I'm out. He's gone. And Peter's like, uh, what just happened? What's going on? Now, can I just tell you something? Distance will always reveal your commitment. I'm going to say that. You can write that down. Distance will always reveal your commitment. You see, it's real, man, it's easy being married to my wife when she's right with me. Like when she's here, and oh man, it's easy to be committed. She's wonderful. She's here. We're present. But man, you put a little distance in there, and that's when people get trapped. Because distance will put a demand on your commitment. Can you be committed even in the midst of distance? And here's Jesus, and he disappears. Peter's like, what just happened? Now, can I tell you, I believe that God is an ever-present, always-speaking God. Are you guys with me this morning? I'm going to come down here. I believe that Jesus is an ever-present, always-speaking Savior. But there are moments 
where he will cause a perceived silence and distance to put a test on your commitment, your commitment to pray. Listen, it's, always, it's easy to pray when all your prayers are getting answered immediately. But can you persist in prayer when sometimes it takes some time? Can you continue to press in and worship when he feels a little distant? It's not that he's an absentee father. It's that there's moments where God wants to reveal the reality of our commitment. And so what happens, this is what's interesting, is in that moment, do you know what Peter does? Peter gets a bunch of the other disciples who are like, guys, I'm going fishing. Let's go fishing. And the Bible shows this incredible moment where Peter goes fishing with some of his other disciples, and they're catching nothing. And then all of a sudden, a guy from the shore says, hey! Very reminiscent of the very moment that Jesus called Peter in the first, in the first moment. And Peter recognizes this Jesus, and he jumps out of the boat, dress and all, jumps out of the boat, comes on the shore, and there's Jesus. Remarkable moment. There's Jesus, and he's sitting by a fire. The Bible says that he was making the disciples breakfast. A few months ago, a few of us here and a whole group of people from KC went, went to Israel. And we had the wonderful privilege to be at the place where a lot of historians and theologians believe was the very place that Jesus sat with Peter in front of this fire. Where Peter came up on the shore and Jesus was there making breakfast for Pete. Probably flipping some fish. And he's sitting there with Peter. He says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Second time, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep, Pete. Then he asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And all of a sudden, I can see Peter. His head goes low. And he says, Lord, you know all things. I think Peter got a revelation of Jesus hearing those moments that he denied him. I think Peter got the revelation of what Jesus was doing. Jesus was restoring destiny and purpose and calling him back. In the midst of failure and in the midst of disappointment, it's easy to go back to what's comfortable. How about this one? In the midst of disappointment and failure, it's easy to go back to that which we're capable of instead of called to. Well, I can do this without Jesus. See, Pete knew he could go fishing without Jesus because he was a fisherman. I mean, he was a generational fisherman. You know what I'm saying? He was for generation to generation. He was a fisherman. I could fish without Jesus, but I can't do the call without Jesus. And right now, there's a disconnect in my life because of the past and because of my failures and my disappointments. There's a disconnect. And Jesus knew the restoration that Peter needed to step back into the call. Friends, can I tell you, we've allowed disappointment and failure and problems of the past to disconnect us to the future and the call that God has given us. And it's time to be healed and restored. What does that mean? There's some things in 2023 you're going to have to let go. Let go of the failure. Come on. 
Let go of the past. Stop dwelling on it. Stop playing it like this recording over and over and over and over. Let it go. So we see clearly. Scripture tells us to lay it down. Let it go. But let me give you this one last passage. You guys getting encouraged this morning. God tells the children of Israel, he says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? And we see a very unique parallel in Genesis chapter 19, verse 17. Turn with me there. I don't want to give you this final passage, this final illustration. Genesis chapter 19, verse 17. We see this really interesting moment. This man named Lot, who is a nephew of Abraham, who we know is a very historical figure within Scripture. Father Abraham had many sons, and I'm one of them. <laughs> but what happens in this moment is Lot had found himself living in a place called Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah was this place, and it was a very sinful, sinful place. And God was about to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And all of a sudden, angels appeared to Lot and said, hey, God's about to bring judgment. I'm here to get you out of here. And it was such a destructive place. This is how bad it was. That the angels of the Lord that appeared to Lot to rescue him and take him out of the city, the men of the city knock on Lot's door. And they're like, hey, have those guests that you have come outside so we can have our way with them. There's such a conformity. Can I tell you how bad the conformity was? Is that Lot was like, you know what? I can't give you these, these people because he knew they were angels. But I'll give you my daughters instead. Friends, can I tell you, we've got to get past the point of sacrificing our children to the culture. I mean, I, I, that, this, this is a whole other message, but can I just tell you right now how grieved I am in many times where we take the position of Lot, we're willing to just sacrifice our children to culture. Instagram, you can have my kids. Facebook, you can have my kids. No, there's not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Instagram and Facebook. I'm just saying there's times where we have actually surrendered our children to the cultures that are killing them. Molesting their minds. So what ends up happening is the angels of the Lord take, lead Lot and his family outside the city. And the angels of the Lord, here in Genesis 19, 17, give Lot specific and his family specific instructions. Are you ready for this? Genesis 19, 17. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back. Everybody say, don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. The worst part about this story wasn't just the destruction that happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis 19.26, it says this, but Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now many people will look at this and they'll actually criticize God. God! How could you do that to Lot's wife? You did all this to rescue her, and yet now you, took, you turned her into a pillar of salt. God said, no, 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 no. That wasn't on me. That was on her. 
Can I tell you something? That wasn't on God. Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt was not on God. That was on her. Because God actually gave her instructions on what to do so that she would not be consumed. Friends, can I tell you the word of God is instructions for you so that you are not consumed. It's not God trying to be legalistic. It's God wanting to give you supernatural divine instructions by his word so that we're not swept away by this world, so we're not consumed. God knew what would happen. The angel of the Lord knew what would happen. Don't look back lest you are consumed. Friends, many times we can't see the new because our eyes are so fixated on the old. We become so enamored with the old ways of living and the old ways of thinking and doing that we can't embrace the new. And we see some very, very apparent factors in this story. The city had infiltrated her heart. She was consumed and enamored by that city. Can I tell you right now the significance of the act of her looking back? Are you ready for this? Why? Why did that happen? And God understands this. Why did God give her the instruction, do not look back? Because your desire directs your gaze. I'll say it again. Your desire directs your gaze. Anybody here ever been to a restaurant and the waitresses, the waiters, the servers, they got trays of food and they're walking and you're super hungry and you're just like, ooh, I want that. Ooh, I want that. I want to, can I look at that? And they're like trying to take people's food to their table. And then you're looking. I, I, there's one time we're at a restaurant and dude straight up comes to my table. Now you got to understand something. I'm very like food conscious, like in the sense like I eat, I eat it, but like all of it, but like don't touch my food. Don't even look at my food. It's none of your business. You know what I mean? And this dude, I don't know where he's from, but he comes up and he's pointing at my food. What is that? I'm like, none of your business. Get your finger out of my food, man. Your desire will direct your gaze. This story leads us to ask some very interesting questions. What are you focusing your attention on? What are you, what captures your heart? What have you given your heart to? One of my, one of my college professors, it was, it was an interesting moment. We'd gotten on this debate about the harshness of God. In my, in my college class here, this theology class, and one of the conversations that came up was Lot's wife. Like, how dare God do that to Lot's wife? Like, that's so just mean-spirited. And my college professor said something. He said, he's certain that Lot's wife would have rather been destroyed with Sodom than lived in freedom. That was the problem. The reality was that Lot's wife would have rather lived Destroyed, would have rather been destroyed with Sodom than lived in freedom. We become so engulfed in our sin or our past, we can't even imagine a life in freedom. 
I can't imagine life without this or this or having this addiction or having this passion. What we need is we need a new revelation of what God has for us. We need to see with a new perspective. God presents a rhetorical question to Israel. Do you not perceive it? And it was almost like Israel had been blinded by their disappointment and their hurt and their failures. They had been blinded by their sins. They had been blinded by their desires that they couldn't even perceive the new that God had. They would rather die in their sin than live in freedom. I'm realizing now, man, I'm headed into a new year. And you know the worst part about it is, the 42 years that I've been on this planet, seems like a long time when I say it like that. Sometimes it's just like year upon year it just compiles. And it's like I have this mound of compiling trash and failures and disappointment and fears because I'm trying to go from one new year to the next new year and the next new year and I'm just dragging all this other stuff with me and it's like God is saying hey son in 2023 I want to put a grace and an anointing which is just the work of the Holy Spirit I want to give you mercy I want to empower you to step into the new and embrace the new and the awesome and the victory and the freedom that I have for you but there's some things that you got to Lay down. There's some things you got to let go. There's some things that you got to stop looking at. There's some things that you got to turn your back on. And in this year, if we can lay it down, let it go, and not look back, I believe that God will lead us to a place of victory and freedom and power and calling and destiny like never before. But you've got to be determined. Friends, it takes some tenacity. Because I don't know about you, but I have a propensity to always go back. It's easier. Especially when I get discouraged and frustrated. But if I'm going to embrace the new, I've got to lay it down, let it go, and not look back. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And for more great content, go to kcoahu.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.